Hello everyone and welcome to this amazing, amazing session. And as always here at Raising Remarkable Teenagers, we are always scouring the world to get you some lovely, lovely expert, parenting expert. So we can learn strategies, we can learn snippets, we can learn, you know, steps to improve how we parent our teenagers, especially so that they can be highly effective young people that we roll out into the real world. So today we've got Venus Keller and um, today we're going to be discussing about self-esteem. And as you know, with, uh, from for the last about a year and so, uh, we've been going through a lot and uh, there, there's been a, a pandemic in the whole world and um, especially our young people have been hit hard from our research we find that that's when their mental health has been knocked like really big time and you know as people who are passionate about the the mental wellness and whole well-being of young people we need to talk about this and you as a parent as well i know you want to talk about this we need to get into these discussions so we can see how we can help them no matter what's happening that they don't have their their self-worth their self-esteem knocked because it has knocked most of us mm -hmm. but today Venus is going to be speaking to us about how we can support our young people as as we've also been affected so where how do we get that strength to be able to support them so Venu is a parent child peacemaker so we're gonna be hearing the strategies and i can't wait and i want Venu to introduce herself i know i've done it a little bit but i love it when our guests introduce themselves because each one of us knows ourselves best so welcome welcome Venu. <laughs> thank you so much angie for having me and right now it's there's such a need for this. Um, I've been working with families for over 22 years. I started out as a mental health professional and through my own journey and through my own obstacles of learning my own self-worth and self-esteem, um, I've been able to help kids in a way that even therapists aren't able to get them to open up and get to the actual core of what is going on that's lowering their self-worth, lowering their self-esteem. Why do they not feel enough? Um, I have a history of being suicidal. I was suicidal for 21 years in my life. And that was just always my exit plan to leave this world. And it goes deeper to just not being enough. It goes to that feeling of loneliness. And right now our kids are feeling lonely. Like you, you've, you're spot on with like this pandemic and us adults are trying to navigate through it with our, our brains that we have our frontal lobes that are developed. How are these kids that don't have that frontal lobe developed? How are they getting through this pandemic feeling like they're enough, feeling like they have community, because a lot of kids, you know, let's face it, I have six kids and they range from 20, almost 27, next month he'll be 27. I can't, it's hard to believe he's gonna be 27, but he's 27 next month. And I have eight-year-old twins and I have a three-year-old granddaughter. So like, I look at every scope, like eight-year-olds, I have teenagers, I have adults, I have a young granddaughter. And I look at everything and I, and I start to look at the behaviors and what they've gone through. And, you know, they, they go to work, to get their socialization. They go to school to get their socialization. We don't really see our kids until they get home in the evening and then there's extracurricular activities. So our time with our children, um, you know, before pandemic and coming out for us in the US, a lot of us are still like my kids are back in school. Um, you know, we have a little bit of time with them. Well, what happens when this pandemic happens and they're home now? Where's their socialization? Where do they feel they're a part of a community? They're a part of a social group. They've lost that. And then they're on Zoom all day, right? They're in Zoom in school or they're on videos. And people are like, well, my kid plays videos all the time and they, they shouldn't be on videos. How else are they supposed to get connection right now? Hmm. I get it. We need our kids to read more. We want them to play more. Well, if there's no one they can play with because they're social distancing, what do we want them to do? How do we want them to connect with their peers? You know, and this is where us parents need to get curious. Like instead of saying, oh, you're always on video games, ask them questions. What do you get from this video game? And 
when I ask my clients that, because I have a lot of kids that I work with, a lot of teenagers, they say, you know, my parents just don't understand. Mm-hmm. That's where my friends are. Uh-huh. You know, where we strategize together in the game. We, and then they get off and they, they, they put it on YouTube and they have like montage of different game sets they did together with their friends talking with each other, you know? And if we just get curious about who are your friends, tell me about your friends. What do you know about your friends? When we get curious, you know what? Our kids get curious. Absolutely. And they may be like, well, I don't know about Greg on there. And then all of a sudden, because I asked him about it, now he wants to know, hey, Greg, where do you live? What do you do? What grade, what grade are you in? You know, um, what's your favorite subject? You know, how are you doing this pandemic? Hmm. One of the clients I work with, you know, he's uh, 12 years old. And he said that, you know, he was being bullied at school. Hmm. And there was a lot of bullying going on. And he doesn't want to go back to school. Like, he kind of likes the fact that they're virtual because he's made new friends yes. in his virtual class. Yes. And it, like the same video games mm-hmm. so they have a connection now mm. so you know it can work it can work either way it can work against us right now or it can work for us but until us parents get curious and start asking the questions we're not going to know absolutely and i like what you said about us instead of getting angry and and straight on going into that conclusion that they are spending hours on this, getting curious, it actually makes them feel like, oh, mother or father is involved, is is involved in in what I'm doing. They feel or they think it's important. And because young people have, uh, again, as you rightfully said, they've not fully developed, they tend to attach what they like to themselves. So when you begin to like let's say like we're not saying that you must like what they're doing but when you get curious and want to find out what is this you're playing and it's not in a it's not in a a questioning way it's not in a threatening way it's like oh tell me more it's Mm -hmm. tell me more tell me more they begin to feel important they begin to welcome you in their world and actually as as you get to know what they're doing you can then start to encourage the, the skills that they're learning because there are so many skills that they learn. They learn to plan. They learn to, to, to communicate with each other. They learn to give each other turn to play. They learn to even argue in a, in a, in a safe way when they're playing those games actually. Well, and, they, and they get feedback. Like one of the things that people don't understand is how to give feedback and how to receive feedback. And, you know, and how do you make it better? Because they're always looking at how do I make it better? And, you know, and this part is their self-worth and self-esteem. So when you get curious and you show interest in your kids, it's like almost, oh, I'm worth it. I'm worth mom leaving her work. Yeah to come and spend time with me. And, and I'm worth my mom's attention. I'm worth my dad's attention. And that's where worth is. So worth is how a child feels about themselves mm-hmm. and self-esteem is how they see themselves, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, one of the things that I tell, like I just wrote a book, it's on um, Amazon or you know, your, your viewers can download it for free at my website, beinginspires.com slash ebook. It's teach your children they're enough. Teach your children enough. There's three, it's a short read, but I give you so many strategies. And the three chapters is don't blame and shame, mm-hmm. be present and celebrate. Those are the three chapters. Absolutely. Because if we are not blaming and shaming our kids, like don't ask the why question, why are you on your video game for so long? That kid is going to be like, well I, well, I don't know why. Like, and they immediately go to defensiveness. They give you a tonality where you're like, don't get that attitude with me. And it's like, if we think about where does the tonality come from? They feel threatened. They feel accused. They feel blamed. They feel shamed. And it's a responsive reflect in them to to defend themselves, right? Instead say, what are you playing? What do you get from it? Wow. That sounds interesting. Tell me more. You know, I love what you said. Tell me more because now you're taking a valued interest in it, not just a a surface interest, like kind of like, oh, how are you? Oh, good. How's the weather? Oh, good. Like that's a surface. Tell me what you're feeling right now. Tell me 
what it does. Does it light you up when you're on this game with them? Tell me why it lights you up. You will start to discover your kid's passion. You'll discover your kid's purpose. You'll discover what really, like, we got to get rid of this whole, my kid's not motivated. It's not about motivation. It's about momentum. Absolutely. What's going to create that momentum in your child to keep going? And as parents, we cannot have a deaf ear to this anymore. Mm. We suicide rates up for kids are so high right now Mm -hmm. and we have to ask ourselves like what are parents missing i have so many people that i talk to and they're like oh my kid's good they're they're the valedictorian they're the captain of the cheerleader they're the you know the quarterback of the football team and yet they're the ones that are waking up tomorrow and finding their kids dead they're like i don't get it i don't get it because we're not getting curious we cannot live a blind eye thinking your kids are great because they're not coming to you with problems. They're not, they're not, they don't have an attitude with you. So your kid must be great. Are there kids like that? Absolutely. And I don't want to dim that light, but what, what are you doing to make sure your kids are like that? What questions are you asking? How do they feel about themselves? How do they see themselves? You know, I always use like a scale when I'm coaching kids on a scale of one to 10, tell me how you feel walking into your classroom by yourself. Mm-hmm. 10 being, I feel great. I feel, you know, I, I feel good about myself. I don't care if people look at me like I'm ready to walk in. I own myself. I own what I'm doing. And this one is I want to hide. I want to die. Please don't like, that's the worst thing that can ever happen is me walking into my class late by myself. Mm-hmm. And I get kids that are probably like a two or a three. Yes, And they're, they're the same parents that say to me, oh, my kids are great. Oh my God. They're so good at school. <laughs> really? Have you asked them? Because there are three. Yeah. So the, what I'm hearing from you is again, that's what we are finding in research that about 40% of teenagers are reporting that they are lonely. And obviously in this pandemic, it's even worse. Obviously there's no, recent research but i'm talking about our most recent research is for, th- that means between you and i one of our teenagers is lonely yeah did you know that's that's almost 50 percent. that's a big number that's a big number and, and our parents don't even know it our parents don't know that their kids are lonely and the, yeah and then and then you 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 think oh everything is okay everything is okay do you know for sure that everything is okay do you know for sure that everything is okay and those are the questions we need to when we get curious when we lean in when we listen then we know we get to know their deep thoughts we get to know their frustrations we get to know their dreams and then as they begin to come out of of those doldrums right then we can start to listen we can start to hear their dreams their aspirations most of us don't know and why because we know we know what our kid i know my kid's going to be a, an ortho, orthodontist i know that <laughs> all that right i mean that i'm, I'm not saying i'm i'm not saying that that's the latest latest thing that she has told me I have a teenage girl say so she, she's changed from you know from an athlete to what but all these things is because you listen and allow them to to explore themselves what am i good at who can i become what and they change and especially in teenage years because they're going through that and and most of the viewers here you guys know because we talk about this all of the time understanding your teenager's brain understanding the the mayhem understanding their crisis the identity crisis that they are going through remember they have been a child all their life so now they are moving over they are crossing over to another territory where they have no experience they have no skills but we because we can see they are bigger we are expecting them to step up and be independent. We're ste- we're we are expecting them to do what needs to be done at that age, and that's why they're going through all that. And that's 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 why it's very important for us to to listen, to listen in, to be curious, as Vinu you said, because 
there's a lot of changes that happen in those years. And if you're thinking that <laughs> when we talk about adolescence and teenage years, we are finding now in neuroscience, what we are finding now, teenage years start from about, puberty starts from about, let's say nine, 10 to about 25. Yeah. If, you're thinking, if you're thinking it's a quick thing, oh no, it's not a quick thing. And that's why it's very important for us to, to learn and arm ourselves with strategies that are actually going to work for this, for this space of time. And like Vinu, you, you, you said about uh, self-esteem is how they see themselves and, and like self-worth, how they, is that how they feel about themselves? Yes. Yeah. So, and, and one of my most favorite psychologists, along gone, he's the father of, uh, of uh, psychosocial. He said, if our teenagers, if our teenagers do not navigate this stage, which is the, uh, the identity crisis, right? If they don't navigate this stage, they are unlikely to be successful in their life. Because once our kids navigate this stage successfully, then they enter that, they become independent and then they enter into that other high level performance, which we call interdependence. But they cannot do that without self-esteem, self-worth. It's impossible for them to become independent and then even impossible completely for them to become interdependent. So what, what you're, you're saying is uh, we really need to, to encourage, you know, we really need to encourage and hone and support that self-worth. So what I'd like to ask you is um, how can parents, right? How can parents, we as parents, because I'm learning as well, I've, I've actually learned that distinction today that self-esteem and, and self-worth from you. I've never thought of it like that. I always use them inter, um, interchangeably, but that's something else that, and it makes sense to me. Well, you can't, how do you see yourself as great when you don't feel yourself as great? Yeah, that's, what, that's what I mean. I've just learned yeah. something else. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> so you got it. We got to work on the worth first, right? We got to work on how they feel about themselves. And so when we don't blame and shame our kids, instead of saying, why did you get that C? Ask them, what does it feel like to have that C? Hmm. You might find out that that child, your child works so hard for that C, even though they're an A student, but it's the hardest teacher they've had. They've had a lot of runarounds with that teacher and they are so proud of that C because in their mind they were going to fail it so that c to them was like an a so and when you say well why did you get that c you just diminished oh. what they felt their worth because you said why instead of saying what does that make you feel like mm -hmm. like i have my twins my eight-year-old twins and my daughter they both have dyslexia they both have adhd and you know i have them the great tutors they're in great programs and they're coming along and my daughter took a vocabulary test and she got a 20 on it and i'm like we really like how do you feel about that she goes well i have to retake it so when the teacher said she had to retake it she already knew that that was not great and so i said okay well we're going to study we're going to study and i studied with her and i i did we did the best that we could and she took the test and she she got a 40 and she was so proud of herself now, you and I both know a 40 is an F, and but she's like, mom, I did it. Aww. I got a 40. And I said, what are we going to do to celebrate that? Because she says a 40 is higher than a 20. And she goes, I know it's not a 100. And I really, really wanted to get a 100. And I said, but, and she goes, but I got a 40. That's and I said, right. you did. And we're going to celebrate that. How are we going to celebrate that? Because I did not want to take her worth away from that 40. It was better than a 20. Absolutely. As a parent, would I love to see a hundred? Of course I would. We all want to see that our kids are getting, because a grade to me doesn't justify if my kid's good enough. A grade to me tells me, did my child understand that chapter? Did my child understand that vocabulary test? Absolutely. And she got a 40. Guess what? She didn't understand it. And I get she didn't understand it. And so what we did is that gave me an opportunity to connect with her tutor saying, can you help her with this? And not teaching our kids that, 
well, I don't get to retake the test. So why do I need to learn it? Mm. Instead, it's teaching them you don't know it and you need to learn it. So the reward is understanding that because that word is going to come up somewhere in your life and you want to know what that means. And my daughter's like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So she was more apt to even learn it at a deeper level yeah. because it made her feel worth it. Hmm. Right? The things that we do give them their worth. The second thing is our presence. You know, right now we have our cell phones all the time. So we're eating dinner with our kids, but we're on our cell phones or, you know, we're having a conversation with like, you know, somebody's coming to the door, like I'll get it. Like, and I'll have a conversation. I miss dinner. It's like, when are we enough for our kids? You know, when I am coaching when I'm working, I'm on this podcast right now, my kids know don't come in my door because I, I got to give my whole worth to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. When do they get that same attention? When are they worth it? Because they see my presence with my clients. And then the third thing is celebrate. When I was little, I would get like honor roll. I get rewards. And my mom would say, good job. That's so good. What do you want for dinner? Uh-huh. That was it. And so I didn't know how to celebrate me oh until I went. So I did a lot of work with Tony Robbins. I'm actually a trainer for him now. And it's going through his leadership program that I learned how much celebration means. And that is why we, my husband and I both, we incorporate celebration with our kids. Like when they get hundreds, they get so excited because they get like $3 for every hundred. And, and they do not forget girl. They are like, I got seven, I got $9. I got 12. Like they, I don't even have to write it down. Like they know how much money they've accumulated. And then we go like somewhere and they buy things. Um, and because that's their celebration Absolutely. that they're worth it. Absolutely. And what I hear you saying is I can feel you are something. Again, we talk a lot and we encourage parents to do because it's in the doing. I mean, we can know all this information, but if we don't do, if we don't take action on it, we actually don't get the results. And when we don't get results, we don't know whether these actually work. But the, what I'm hearing you say is you have you are praising the process. You're praising the progress. Yes. Yes. You're praising, you're praising every step because the mistake that some of us, most of I, I know I've been guilty of that. I, I, I put my hand up. And thankfully, my teens, because I talk with them, I, I talk with them and tell them what I'm intending to be and to become, they will, when they, they catch me on it, they're like, oh, wait a minute, you said that we need to celebrate, not just when we finish the whole thing, but when because we've made this step. So what I'm hearing you say is praising the process, praising Absolutely. the progress. It's very actually it's it's very very important most of our parents here again we talk a lot about what's happening in the teenager's brain in the with the teenager's body because it's in understanding what's happening within them that we can be more compassionate even more forgiving to them because some of what's happening they they even they themselves don't understand right they're more they don't yeah, we are more compassionate when we understand them. So that there is a part of the brain that we call the striatum. The striatum mm-hmm. is the is the reward center. And in teenage years, it's like this. Like huge. I want it. I want it. I want the break. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, do you know, remember when you, our kids were tiny? And everything they did, we got excited. And when they made the first step, we got excited and we praised them. And I don't know what happens to us when they, when they, these young people are older. And we because stop. Because we, we went to expectation. We expect our kids to do. So if they do it, it was an expectation. So they should do it. It's like, like going to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. We're expected to go to the grocery store to get food. So why are we celebrating we got food instead of celebrating the fact that oh my gosh, I have money to get food. Like this is a great honor. It's a gift, like teaching gratitude, right? And that's what we forget. Like you said, we get so excited when they take that first step because it's the unknown and we set them up. And the other thing is that, you know, I would like to just, you know, piggyback off what you're saying, Angie, because it's so important is we need to ask them, how do they want to celebrate? Because 
maybe, you know, and it goes into those love language, maybe words of affirmations, not their love language. So that's not celebrating to them. Maybe they want a hug. Maybe they want a high five. Maybe it's quality time. So they want you to take them to the ice cream parlor and, and sit and have ice cream. Maybe they want to cook dinner with you to celebrate. Like ask your children, how do they want to celebrate? How are they going to receive it? Like even in our relationships with our partners and stuff, we have to figure out what's the formula to receive that love and appreciation. So the best thing to do, it all comes down to one thing, communication, get clarity in our communication, ask questions of how our kids want to receive this. And you will start to see that the open space for your children, especially your teenagers to talk to you is going to expand even more because they feel safe. If your child feels safe, they will tell you everything. Why I can be, I was on a call with a client just recently and she has a therapist, a psychologist she was seeing. And she told me some things that um, first she says, oh, this, you know, I, I see my psychologist on Zoom and it, it doesn't really work. In our hour conversation, she's like, this is so different. Coaching actually works. Like this is so different from therapy. And she says, and I told you things I never even told my therapist. And I'm like, I feel honored because I've always said that I can get your kids to tell me things they're not going to tell their therapist. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you come to fruition. Those were her words. Like, you know, I'm telling you things I don't even tell my therapist. Why? Because I did not judge her. I made, gave her a safe space to feel mm -hmm. safe, mm -hmm. not criticized. And I got curious. And she felt her worth with me because she was worth me asking the question. Absolutely. I love that. And it's something we talk about. And I'm glad that you're, you're affirming some of, some of the ideals and some of the ideas that we talk about. We talk about being a safe space mm -hmm. for your child, for your teenager to speak because when you become a safe space for them to speak, then they begin to open up. And when they begin to open up, now what we are having is a teenager who can pour themselves out. Now, they are no longer lonely. And now, because they are no longer lonely, they are no longer vulnerable to crime exploitation. They are no longer vulnerable to drugs exploitation and no longer vulnerable to sex exploitation and even mental health problems because when they they can speak to you they can pour out they don't have someone else out there to prey on them because you know what and just to piggyback off that because you're spot on why do our kids go to undesirable i'll use that word undesirable groups of friends because those friends accept them and they see them, they appreciate them. So they feel they're not lonely anymore. And it goes right back to what you and I were talking about. Kids are lonely. So if you create that safe space and they know their worth, they're going to find groups to hang out with that also see their worth. Absolutely. The problem is, and I know this because I, I will admit my son hangs out with people that are probably not the choice I would make for him, but he's 22. He's going to make his choices. And we always talk about it. And I say, you are getting in trouble. And I'm so glad because I've taught my kids to own it. And I'm glad you're owning the issues that you're going through. And look at the company you keep. They're all doing it and you feel comfortable. And so you do it too. They're getting in trouble on their own. You're getting in trouble on your own. When is somebody going to wake up and say, this is not my my people. This yep. is not my tribe. Are you in a circle or are you in a cage? Because if you're continuing down the same road, making the same mistakes, you're in a cage. Absolutely. Find the key to get out of it and create a circle, a circle who's going to lift you up. Who are the friends that got your back? Who are the friends that are going to celebrate with you? Who are the friends that are going to call you out and say, really? Who are you really? Is this who you really are? Because I know you and I know the person you are. So if you were going to make a better choice, what would that look like? That's a good friend. That's a good friend. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited about what you're saying and how you are able to actually speak to your young person in, um, in, in those terms. 
we actually at the moment are everyone that's uh, that's watching this show we are giving a, a free masterclass 75 minutes for you and it's how to build strong bonds with your teenager based on honesty and trust so they actually want to listen to you because for our teenagers i mean we you you've got great information right there right and i know our parents have got great information especially after they've listened to this we know what to do but then how do we get our teenagers to listen to us because if there's no connection if they don't listen to us we can be the greatest speakers we can be the greatest uh but we will have absolutely no influence on them so how would you say for how, how can we make ourselves that safe i mean i have an idea what it is but i would like you to tell us how can we as parents make ourselves a safe space for our young people to come and listen and and, and speak to us so open to us yeah, so it's funny because I just I just did this taping because I, I created an online program for parents. It's a six week online program that's getting ready to launch. I'm really excited about it. And the key is get in rapport with your children. You have to be in rapport and rapport is not dictating. You said something. You said something really important, Angie. Our kids have got to navigate through this time right now, but they don't need to navigate by us being dictators. They need to navigate with us being a guide. How are we going to guide them? And we guide them by being rapport. If you and I didn't have rapport, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If yeah. I was, you know, if if I was coming in a superior telling you, oh, I know, oh, you're wrong. You're you're not doing it right, Angie. Angie, you're not telling the right information. This conversation would have ended a long time ago. Absolutely. The fact that we are in rapport, we're both neutral, we're both coming in as experts in our field, understanding, saying yes, like, oh, I'm learning from you, you're learning from me. And we're vulnerable enough to say, we get each other, how else can we support? So we have a common denominator in serving the world to make the world a better place for our generations. You and I have come into with rapport. What would that look like for our children? If we come into our children saying, look, I understand you didn't get invited to that birthday party and I and I can appreciate that it hurts. Yes. You know, and I, I, I can see you're angry. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you're really feeling? Like I know angry is a release for you and, you know, and I get that, you know, I love you. So I'm probably the one that's feeling it from you. But remember, I'm not the one that didn't invite you. And, but I am the one that's here with you right now. Yes. I am the one that's going to hear you. And why don't you just tell me, like, what are you feeling about not being invited? Mm -hmm. And then they'll, when you open that space and you have rapport, because you're not judging now, Absolutely. they're going to say, well, I feel like I'm not worth it. I feel like, like I thought they were my friends and how could friends do that? Mm -hmm. That's going to lead you the door to say, well, what are friends to you? And yes. are they your right friends? And I get, you don't want to be alone. So what, what would that look like to be alone? They're opening that door because I had rapport with them. Mm -hmm. Rapport is the key thing. And rapport is saying that I'm not better than you. I'm not a dictator to you. I'm coming on equal grounds to play. Absolutely. I love that. I love, and and it's about helping them not feel threatened. Yes, safe, and safety, safety, and and they're feeling, mom, mother or father or grandma or whoever is my is is asking this. They are genuinely concerned about my wellness, my well being. They're not coming here to reinforce my insecurity. They're not asking that to laugh at me because another thing we find with teenagers is that because especially when they've been hurt, they they haven't, they haven't, they can't read, they can't read emotions on, on people's faces. So they think, and that's why a teenager will ask you, what's wrong with you? Why are you angry with me? Even when you're not, because they don't read emotions very well. And it's up to us to say, oh, that's not what I meant. That's not, that, that's none of it. And always, always be, be very non-intimidating, right? Right, you can't no, be threatening. Yes, be non-threatening at all. And actually seek to understand in a very genuine way, because again, they can feel your when you're not being genuine they can feel fakeness 
all right. of us. We, we are vibration beings and we can feel fakeness, you know? And it's, it's what we all need though. We all need to be seen and we all need to be heard. Mm. So if your children know that you're coming with, like you're saying, like a non-threatening, like if your child says to you, what's wrong with you? Cause I get that from my, my, my older boy, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I, I don't know, is something wrong with me? And I get playful with it. Yeah. And like, oh, well, you said this, you said that. I'm like, oh, was my tonality not, not good? I'm like, I didn't even know. You know, I was like preoccupied. And that way you can explain to them, it's not you. I was thinking about, I have two appointments. You just walked in the door. I got to get dinner because I promised you dinner. I hadn't even started. So you know what? Honestly, my tonality is saying I'm rushed. Mm. And I don't want you to feel guilty because I want to make this dinner for you because you're coming to visit me. Mm. And yet I still have two appointments I got to take care of. So, and that when we're vulnerable with our kids like that, where it's like, nothing's wrong with me. We're, when we say that to them, they're going to imitate that. They, they do what they see. They don't do what they hear. Yes. Yes. Okay. So if, if we're constantly like, well, what's wrong with you, mom? Nothing. And then we ask, you know, Johnny, Hey, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Well, that, what, what, what's that? Well, they got it from us. I mean, you said something earlier, like when we, when our kids are learning how to walk, why do they want to walk? They watch us walk everywhere and they want to be like us. Like it goes back to the very beginning. How did our kids ever want to do anything? They saw us before they even understood the language of, you know, that we speak they saw the language of body language they saw the nonverbal communication which is 80 percent of communication you know i mean we've got to think about that so how we show up for our children is how they're going to show up you, you are so correct because again in psychology we call this modeling mm -hmm. modeling is is really you showing up and what is someone picking from you that is right. What, whoever you are it's not what you say it's how you're showing up right mm -hmm. like you said when you when you said to them when they said to you mom what's wrong with you and you said nothing what are you showing in their in their mind they're thinking there's something wrong with being with having something wrong you know right well if i say but i don't have anything wrong with us <laughs> yeah but that's not the picture we need to portray to them because we know they are going through a lot of changes. They've got, you know, some of the thoughts they tell you, you're like, okay, that's a strange thought. They, when they open, they begin to open to you and they tell you, I mean, including, I'm, I'm going to say it here, including some of the sexual feelings they have. And, yeah. and those are some of the things I know it's a very sensitive topic for, for most parents to talk about, but if we don't, allow our young people to express this they you know how they feel the frustrations and all that they're going to speak to someone else who's going to take advantage of them right and i tell you i just had three of my clients between the ages of 11 and 15 tell me that they're non-conforming gender and they're bisexual and their parents don't know it but they told me and what's great about what they told me is they have a safe space to say it because they're not judged by me. And we talk about it. We talk about what does that mean to you to be non-gender conforming? Because this is all new to me too. Like I grew up in the eighties in America. There was, you're either born a female or a male. Like there is no in between and you can want to be a male and you can get surgeries and stuff, but you're born a female, born a male. Now we're so open about this that our young kids are learning about non-gender. Like I just learned that I'm a cis. I'm like, what is a cis? And she's like, well, you're female and you identify female and you're heterosexual. And I'm like, so I'm not just a girl. Like, I mean, I grew up just because I was a girl, you know, that likes boys. Um, so it's interesting what our kids are learning and either we're going to be open, have rapport, let them have a safe space to share with us. So we as parents can deal with it with our kids and I don't know, like if my child told me tomorrow they're gay, I would be open to it because it's not, I don't have any expectations of what I want my child to be mm. except one, happy. Yeah. That's the only expectation. If they are a garbage man, if they're a mailman, if they're a maid, if they're the presidents of the United States, I will always be proud of them if they're happy. 
absolutely i just want them happy if they're with a guy a girl it doesn't matter happiness and the one thing that i would like to you know you know because i know we're coming to the end of this is it's not perfection it's progress absolutely i love that i love that it's progress it's progress and it's not perfection and um i know when we, i think we're gonna have to talk about this another time especially when it comes to our own rigidity as parents and what what i'm saying and i'm encouraging parents including myself i have to be fluid i have to be fluid i have to be open i have to be able to to take things in an in a non non-threatening way in a non in an impartial way so that they will continue to to pour pour out pour out because if i for example if someone says i, I felt like doing this or i felt like doing harm to myself or, and i was like what that's when they stop right they stop but we don't want that we want to ignite this conversation because remember you and i know that once you begin to share the load in itself feels a bit lighter so mm -hmm. we we need to be receptive but then that means we need to work on ourselves as parents because we've got we've got a backlog of of what i i normally term as poisonous parenting paradigm because I I mean, I, I can almost feel that you understand that. <laughs> I do. I, you know, I call it the baggage. Like in my in my second week in the course, I, I I do a whole process called you know letting go of the baggage. You know, act like you have a suitcase, and there's great things in there that you want from your parents, and there's also sh shitty stuff that you want That's from your parents. Sorry, but, you know, it's it's bad stuff, right? In the baggage. And what happens is if we grew up not feeling enough, if we grew up being spanked, if we grew up saying that's not good enough, you can get A's. I know you can. I mean, I know I put my hands up. I used to, this is why I created this. I've done this. I have adult boys. I see the outcomes if we keep doing that. And that's really what was my fuel to change this. Right. And, but I had to open up the baggage and I didn't need to take out the yelling. I need to take out the blaming. I need to take out the shaming because even though I said I wasn't going to be that parent, I turned out to be that parent because that's all I knew. And I did the best that I could with what I knew as a single mom, especially. And now it's beautiful. Like you're saying, like, get rid of it. Yes. Parent through fresh eyes. That's right. So what, the goodness and what, use it. Oh, brilliant. What you're saying is we need to let go of what's not working. Yes, and girl. Yes. We need to be ready to unlearn as much as we are learning we need to be able to unlearn and what doesn't serve us what no matter how much we loved our parents and that we need to let go of some of the things in fact even forgive them for some of the baggage that they that they so shoved down our throats because what they did to us they cemented it in our subconscious mind to a point where we think this is right, this is correct, right? And we, we can go on a whole nother show on that one too about forgiveness <laughs> and stuff. So, so what I'm gonna so. do now is uh, here at Raising Remarkable Teenagers, we love to give practical, I know we've talked about a lot and I know all you guys, all you parents, your brains are churning with information. But if you can just give us three strategies or three snippets or three steps anyhow you want to do it that our parents can practice as soon as today to begin to begin to help our young people to build their self-worth their sure. self-esteem what the, what would those three things be so you know and i'm going to just go back to my book and this way they can go get my book for free and they can have it right so you don't need to even take notes go for the it is is stop blaming and shaming and blaming can be as simple as did you clean that and if they cleaned it you just shamed them mm. instead of saying you know oh the counter looks pretty good and they look at it and, and they might say, ha, I didn't even do it yet. And you're like, oh, thank God they didn't do it yet. 
or they're going to say, oh, you know, I really tried. I'm glad that you like it. And then you have an opportunity to guide, not dictate and say, so let me show you what it would look like if I got all the crumbs out. Yeah. And then I, and I show them what my standard is instead of dictate my standard. Hmm. And then I'm like, tell me what you see. And they're like, oh, I see that I missed a few spots. I said, no worries. No worries. What's great is that you saw that. So tomorrow you have another opportunity yeah. and then tomorrow comes and then you praise them. You praise them because they got all the crumbs off this time. And you're like, wow, now hmm. that is an amazing counter, right? So don't blame, don't shame get curious like in that blame and shame ask questions get away from the why and ask what what has to happen for this what do you feel about that what does that look like to you instead of why who cares why they stole the cookie out of the cookie jar they stole it because they wanted it we don't need to know why what we want to know is what's going to happen so you don't have to steal again yeah we need to stop thinking about why did you hit your brother? Why did you take the remote control? Why, why, why? Who cares why? We already know that they wanted it. They wanted instant gratification because that's what the brain says we want. Right. What we need to find out is what are we going to do so it doesn't happen again? Now. So yeah. use your pace them on how to learn from it and not shame and blame them. Absolutely. The second thing is be present with your child. Mm -hmm. When it is your child's time, they don't need eight hours like we do eight hours at work. But if you gave them 20 minutes of undivided, like no cell phone, no interruptions, just you and them, that will mean more to them. Aww. Even if it's just 20 minutes a day, looking in their eyes, being interested, like, like you and I were talking about in the beginning, being truly interested in what they're playing. Yes. So what if you don't know how to play? Tell them to teach you. They'll be like, what? Like, you want to learn this? I'm like, if this is what you're into, I want to see what you're into. So teach me. Yeah. You know, I'll, this is the one time you get to beat me in things. Come on, teach me, you know, have fun, playful with it, but mm -hmm. be present with them. Yeah. And then the third thing is celebrate, oh. celebrate. These three things will start to, you want the worth to come from within, mm -hmm. not external. Because mm -hmm. when we rely on other people to tell us that we're great, mm -hmm. what happens when those people aren't around? Then we're not great anymore. We attach that, you know, like that identity. We're yeah. attaching that identity to what other people think about us. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with our society. Instead of going within and saying, what do I think about me? Mm -hmm. And what would that look like? And what do I need? So if you do these three things, parents, don't blame and shame. Use curiosity, right? Curious, not critical. You're present with your child and you celebrate. They're worth celebrating. The fact that they did the dishes tonight and you didn't have to ask them, celebrate it. Aww. celebrate the small stack the small and celebrate the big right because if you do that you're building your child's internal self-worth so they will be no match for bullies there'll be no match for society this world will be a better place if everybody felt their own worth absolutely and i love what you said because at the very essence of each one of us, including those kids who feel that they are not worthy sometimes. They are so worthy as human beings and we can help them realize, oh, this is me, this is magnificent me, this is, and it's not in a prideful way because most of the parents say, oh, if you praise them too much, no, that's not what we're, we're talking about factual celebration you're not saying you 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 you're not being funny you're being right. you're not saying just good job good job good job about what you're good job i didn't have to ask you to do your chores like that you have just stepped up in your maturity just like you took that first step you just stepped up i didn't have to remind you to make your bed like i want to celebrate the fact that you grew up in overnight and you did your bed by yourself absolutely be factual about why you're celebrating it absolutely so i am so, so excited. Can you just give us that link to that free book again? Because I want all you guys to get it. I'll, I'll be downloading it as, uh, as well because I followed you. I, I, I read all your stuff on LinkedIn and Facebook and it's just amazing, you know, amazing tips out there. And a lot of it do resonate with what, with what we believe, with our values. And when I see that and I'm thinking, yes, Yes, and if each one of us can learn this, just how, what a good and better world would this be? Imagine what we're doing is actually building young people, you know, 
supporting young people who tomorrow are going to be, you know, they're going to be our pilots, they're going to be our creators, they're going to be our, you know, our doctors, they're going to be our entertainers, our jokers, uh, wh whoever, or even just young people who you know, this is a young person who, our future. if I'm, you know, if I'm stuck somewhere in the, on the road or something, this is a young person who can actually help me and not thief from me, you know? <laughs> yes. And that's just it. Like my why is that another child should not feel they're not worth it or lonely that they take their life. Hmm. Another child should love themselves enough that they're not hurting themselves, hmm. whether it's cutting, whether it's drugs, whether it's drinking, whether it's another substance because they don't care about themselves. Hmm. That is my why. If I can help just one child in this world, then I've done my job, you oh. know, because I am so like, I was so lonely growing up mm. and I'm asking the questions to these kids that there is no best practice. You know, therapists, psychologists have this idea of best practice. The best practice you can give your child is what your child needs in that moment. Absolutely. It's not, we got to get rid of the labels of conscious parenting, mindful parenting, helicopter parenting, just be the parent your child needs you to be. Absolutely. If your child needs you to hover over them a little bit more because they need that guidance, then be that. Absolutely. If your child needs their own space to feel that emotion in that moment, then be that. If you need your child to consciously make decisions because they're all over the map and they don't know how to focus, then be that. Be the parent your child needs you to be. And so when by moment, it's a moment it by moment. It's not something that doesn't mean, oh, because you did this yesterday, it's suitable tomorrow. Right, because everything changes day to day. We are grow, we are evolving being, and just as we are evolving, our young people especially are very evolving and they're very fluid. So we yeah. need to go, we, we need to with go them. with them. We need to, oh, I'm gonna say like maybe go with the flow, but right. really, really that's that's how we need to we, we need Correct. to go with them. And I'm so so excited. Give us that um. Yes. So um, on my social media, you can find me under Venu Inspires. It's V-E-E-N-U-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-S. -E -E and that's also my website, venuinspires.com. And if you just put slash ebook, you'll get a opt-in, download my ebook. Um, if you guys have any questions, please, you know, put them out. Like uh, Angie and I want to help you. I mean, that's why we're doing this. Angie, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being a change in the world for our kids, our future. I mean, they're our future presidents. They're our future everything. Um, if we want this world to be love and kindness, we need to teach it now. Absolutely. Thank so, you. Thank so you. Much. Thank you so much for your insights. We so, so appreciate. And from myself and the whole team here at Raising Remarkable Teenagers, you all go out there and do what you've learned. Implement those strategies because it's in actioning the, the strategies that we get the results that we want. It's in action that we get the, the accomplishment. So go out there and do it. And just the first thing you do, you want to download that ebook. And then I don't want to tell you everything you have to do. Then you read it. And let's do it together because I need to hear feedback of how it is working and how yeah. these strategies are working. So again, I am so, so thankful and thank you so much for watching and we will see you in the next episode of Raising Remarkable Teenagers and all the best now. Thank you so much, Vinu. Yeah. And we'll speak soon. And I think we're going to be having you as a guest soon. Soon, yeah? <laughs> All right Thank then. You. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.